0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable. Off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a
1: beautiful throw by the Baker. Victor baby. touchdown! Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, where we are once again back. Took last week off. Travel got crazy, life happened, uh, had a different podcast for the weekend, but every Saturday we try to get out the write-up of uh, our draft, our most recent mock draft from our draft expert, Stephen Thomas, Mr. Brown's Mock Draft. How are you, sir?
0: I'm uh, looking forward to it, my friend. Good to have you back. Uh, unfortunately, you, you were with your family last week.
1: Oh, unfortunately. So I say in the morning when I wake up. Unfortunately, I'm still here. That's what I say. Um,
0: My wife says that. She says, unfortunately, (laughs) you're still here. But it's slightly different, but similar. Intense.
1: Mine mine says the same. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Anyway, so let's talk about your most recent mock. I want to give you the platform to talk about a couple things that people aren't seemingly understanding. And that would be the age guard rail. Can you remind folks who listen to this podcast about what you and I spent three months discussing leading up to the draft? And we got more evidence in 2021 they're not picking old prospects at the beginning rounds of this draft, right?
0: No, uh-uh. and our our good friend uh, Cosmo just put out a, uh, uh, I retweeted it, a, a very handy chart. Um, he asked me last night for the uh, picks and, and their birth dates and everything, and he put together this really cool chart. Uh, the brown, it, it, Basically, it, the, our age guard rail is this. If you're 23 before the draft, Andrew Barry ain't picking you. That's it. He might sign you as a UDFA. The age guard rule apparently does not apply to UDFAs. They've had several who were over the age, over 23 or 24 the last couple of years, but they're not expending draft capital on you. And if you are an early pick, especially a top 100 pick, odds are you're not going to be 22. You're barely going to be 21. In, in two years, the Browns have had, what, uh, two, four, six, seven. Um, they've had seven top 100 picks, only one of them, Has been over 22. He was less than 22 and a half, and he was picked barely near, um, uh, right, barely in the top 100. So the earlier picks have both been under 21. Uh, That's just the way it goes. Uh, You can argue with it all you want. You can debate the merits of it and say that they're excluding good players. That's a whole different ball of wax. And could they, at some point in the future, break this rule? Sure, anything is possible. But until it happens, if you are over the age of 23, personally, I'm not going to waste a lot of time uh, researching you because the odds that Andrew Berry is going to spend some draft capital on you are very, very low.
1: Yeah. We got to use our time and energy on things that we think are going to happen. And when you get really hard data and there's data beyond just the age, there's the athletic guardrails too, right? Oh, sure. There's some of those things. So if you test extremely poorly, we're probably not going to spend a ton of time on you because it's it's not the most plausible thing in the world that you're going to be selected in the first. You know, for first round guys, you got it. You got to meet a certain threshold of like the investment uh, at the end of the day. And if you don't test well and your age is too old, you you can be old. I guess he could break the mold, but it would be God. It would be. Sh- I'd be shocked at this point. I'd be shocked. They'd have to be a, a slam dunk pick and they'd have to be picking it. I would imagine picking it at the top of the first round. That's kind of like, well, they, you know they don't ever say roll anything out they talked about it with the picking of, of jk course. they Why talked about they? it with trading up yeah of course it's just the data we have is the data we have you know if there's a slam dunk 24 year old i don't know uh, elite elite uh, tight end sitting at the end of the first round they could maybe pick i don't know just it doesn't doesn't feel like they're going to break it anytime soon though and um yeah i like you said the guys in the in the uh, undrafted free agent realm, that's why they're undrafted free agents. It's usually a mixture of the two, right? It's a mixture of the age makes you, you know, less, uh, less appetizing for development. And you probably didn't probably didn't test all too well either. So it's uh, it's yeah, it's both of those things. So that's why the value of players falls. It's not really that hard to understand when you think about it. Well,
0: in two uh in two draft classes they have only picked two people over 22 and a half in the entire draft I'm not talking about top 100 i'm talking about at all uh you know they've picked no one that's 23 they've picked two people that were older than 22 and a half and both of those came beyond pick 150 so uh, you know uh, is it a little bit different do they uh, would they pick a 22 and a half year old 22 and 8 months in the first round i doubt it that there's There's gray areas even within this guardrail. I think they're far more strict about first round picks and day two picks, uh, which is why a guy like Drake London, who we didn't pick this week, but he will only be 20 at the time of the draft. If he's around, he's definitely in the conversation because he's extremely athletic. Uh, He's under 20 and he has produced a ton of stuff already uh, as a wide receiver at USC. So is it the only thing they look at? No, of course not. But if you have two guys and they're both, you know, relatively equal in everything else, one of them is still 20 years old on the day of the draft. And the other one is 22 years and four months old. The odds are super good that Andrew Barry is going to go with the younger guy. And that's for, you know, many, many reasons. One, you're not done growing just as a human being. The, let alone putting them in an NFL weight room with NFL nutritionists and all that kind of stuff. That helps you grow even more. But just regular humans keep growing until they're 24, 25. Also, So you're not de- done developing as a player yet either. And from a financial standpoint, we're seeing it right now. we are play, It's playing out in real time with David Njoku. David Njoku's contract is up this year. He's been in the league five years. He's 25 years old. So if you're going to give him that giant second contract and every NFL player, as you know, Jake, they want to get to the second contract because the second contract is the one is the giant bag of cash. That's if you're good. The second contract in the NFL is the one where they drive a dump truck full of money up to your house and you can take care of your whole family and and change the course of your family name for generations to come with that second contract. And as an organization, you want to be giving that much money to a guy who's twenty five. So that you know, when it's three, four years down the road, he's still in his athletic prime when you're giving him all this cash. You don't yeah. want to give that kind of gash, cash to a guy. Like if you said, let's say you're 24 coming out of the draft. The fifth year, you're 29. So they're giving you a giant bag when you're getting ready to cross 30 when most players – start to decline or at least flatten out a little bit so there's numerous reasons why this age guard rail is is so heavily involved in the analytical approach that andrew barry and paul d podesta and everybody else involved with cleveland does and i again i've said this we said this how many times you can like it you can not like it you can yell at us about it we didn't make it up it's just the data is the data this this is this is who they pick and who they don't pick so yell at me all you want it's not going to change anything
1: Yeah, that's perfectly stated. I don't really have much to add to it. It It's the nature of football. This isn't baseball, where baseball's free agents, typically, if they get to a six-year and they're really good, they have an entire career in front of them. No matter if you break into the majors at 24 or 21 or 20, you know, like these guys, you hit 29, you're in your baseball prime. The NFL, you're lucky to be in the league at 29 sometimes, let alone still thriving to the point that a team decides to invest serious money into your next deal. That's why football's so difficult to make money as a sport like as a profession because although there are all these opportunities, more opportunities than any other sport, they shuffle through players and it's a fact mm-hmm. and it's just the it's the nature of the business and really unless you're in the top 20ish picks of the first round, you're not getting life-changing money. I mean, you're getting everything's relative right like you know you're getting more than money. you and me yeah but yeah yeah you're, you're not getting you, you, like baker okay for example baker is a number one pick if he flamed out after three years he still got real money like the right. first pick the tenth pick you get real money but as it reaches toward the end of the first round it's not uh it's not like uh retire money like you right. know you gotta keep working and all that stuff or whatever. I don't know. There's probably studies out there on the merits of, uh, of retiring on an NFL contract. But, yeah, you're you're trying to get to your second deal, and you can't really get the most out of your second deal, the deal that matters, your one big deal in the NFL if you're 28, 29. It's just the fact. So we will continue to look young. You started with Alabama wide receiver John Mechie III. Talk about what you like about him.
0: Oh well, I mean, what is to not like about Mechie? This is yet another. This is the, the third or fourth year in a row that the wide receiver class is just ridiculous. Um, and now people have said this year there's not that one guy. There's just a group of really good guys. I don't know. It's still early in the season. Uh, any of these guys could break out. But I mean, he's listed at six foot one ninety five. Uh, I was unable to find an official forty time on him. Alabama is usually pretty secretive with that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it doesn't take a genius to to watch him and watch him run away from other guys. I mean, there's corners out there. Yeah, I'm a four three seven. Well, the, you can't catch John Mechie. That means he's better than four three seven. You know, so I mean, it's uh, the dude moves. But not only he's not just. Just a speed guy. Uh, I've had people say, "Oh, just because you're fast, it doesn't mean you're a good receiver." That's absolutely true. You have to know how to play the position. John Mechie knows how to play the position. He his releases are varied and they are very uh, effective. He gets off the line uh, quite a bit with uh, with ease. He his routes are crisp and sharp. Uh, he has absolutely no fear of going over the middle. He he's he's one of those guys that at this age it's rare, Jake, and you know this. He can run his route and adjust on the fly because he can run his route while watching what the defense is doing and mm. adjust by a yard or two mid-stride. That's very – that's high-level stuff, especially at this stage of your development, still at the collegiate level. So uh, I mean, if if it's supposed to be an eight-and-a-half yard, but the guy uh, – let's say you're a linebacker sitting at eight-and-a-half yards, he knows he needs to settle at seven-and-a-half. I mean, he just – It's instinctive with this guy. And then once he gets the ball in his hands, he's got great hands, rarely drops anything. Uh, Once he gets the ball in his hands, he consistently makes the first guy miss. And if he can make the second guy miss or somebody's out of place by one step, dude's just gone. You can't run him down. Um, Physical over the middle. um, You can't play wide receiver at Alabama without at least being adequate blocking in the running game. He puts in the requisite effort there. I mean, he's not a road grader or anything. No wide receiver really is, but he's good enough. Uh, and we know that's important in Kevin Stefanski's, uh, offense as well. So I, there, there's just not, I mean, yeah, he could, you know, his route tree could expand a little bit and yes, sometimes he gets just a little bit lazy at the top of his, uh, his routes just because he's so much more athletic, he can afford to do it and get away with it, you know, at the collegiate level. But that's every college prospect has little things that they need to work on. Basically, he could come in right now, play exactly the way he is right now, with no improvement, no refinement, and still be a damn good wide receiver at the NFL level.
1: Very well said. He's had uh, pretty solid metrics this year. The Pro Football Focus receiving grade is at a 70. Uh, most of his routes come outside. 73.4% are at the wide wide position, but he's played in the slot before 25% of snaps this year in the slot, 113 slot snaps last year. He feels a lot to me like a name like Devonte Smith was when he was playing with Henry Ruggs and, um, uh, help me out. He's in Denver. He just got hurt. Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy, where he was a year before those guys, right? Like all the attention was given to them. And then he took off. I think Mechie's dealing with a little bit of the same stuff. He only has one drop this year, did have six drops last year. Only one drop this year. He's made uh, five missed tackles happen, six first down catches. But again, Alabama runs a lot of teams off the field, and uh, that is, you know, it's a large part of what he's done. Six catches for 676 and a touchdown against Miami. Uh, Mercer, yeah, just Mercer. So five catches, 70 yards. Didn't score, uh, didn't have a touchdown. And then on nine targets, six catches against Florida, 49 yards. Um, so he hasn't had a breakout game yet, but, you know, it could come at any second. He's playing with a young quarterback southern miss tomorrow 7 30 p.m kick if you'd like to watch that uh that boat race that will take place let's talk about our next one look a little d-line help i think wide receiver d-line especially edge help is one that is going to be particularly interesting early on kingsley oh boy in in, 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 give it to me i we we practice this dude i'm so bad (laughs) boinka
0: i'm so bad let's just call him boinka uh no, according to I've heard like five different uh pronunciations, but according to the South Carolina pronunciation guide that I have in front of me right now, it's Enagbari. Okay? E-nag-bari. So, Kingsley so, Enagbury. So Kingsley, if that's not right, blame the South Carolina group. Uh pr- blame the South Carolina media folks because that's what how they have it phonetically spelled out here in the pronunciation guide. And yeah, you're right. I think most people especially this early thing. Early date, see edge and wide receiver as two of the three or four positions that very well could be in the discussion for day one and are certainly in the discussion for day one and day two. There was no value uh, uh, for edge this week. Last week, edge was our first pick. Uh, this week, the Browns moved down a couple more spots, picking 27th, and there were no uh, edges worth a first round pick, which is why we flip flopped the positions. But, you know, again, it's really early, so don't take it, look more at who instead of when at this point. But Kingsley. Uh, 64 listed at 270 we'll see what he comes in at well uh under the age guard rail and boy is this guy athletic um doesn't bend as well as you would imagine but a lot of that uh, for at least from what i watch is that he just hasn't had to he's He's a snap timer and when he does it well he's so quick his first couple of steps are so quick that he just gets around most of these collegiate tackles without having to try and go horizontal like miles or anything like that but he can he's got he's got good bend uh, you know he's done a miles bend but who does mm-hmm. um, pretty good bend he's, he's got uh, a pretty wide array of pass rush moves he's got enough power uh, to long arm or just bull rush uh, he can he's got some uh, counter moves. They're starting to progress. He's going to need to add more of those at the NFL level, of course. Um, A little inconsistent against the run. He can do it. um, But like a lot of young guys who are really good at rushing the passer, that's what they like to do. You know, I mean, home run hitters don't like to practice bunting, you know. And, And guys who are really good at getting sacks at the collegiate level don't like to practice being disciplined in your run fits and all that. It's just, you know, anybody who played sports knows it's boring. That part's kind of boring. It's more fun. It's more exciting to rush the passer. Now, again, it's not that he can't do it. He can. And when he gets to the next level, they are going to hammer it into him. Of course they will. So I think it will improve or at least become more consistent uh, at the next level. But there's not a lot that this guy can't do. Supposedly, is a good locker room guy. I've heard nothing bad about him. Um, he's just, uh, you know, a little... Little lapses here and there and, and recognizing the blocking scheme that's coming at him sometimes gets him out of position on the run game and that kind of stuff. But if you want somebody super athletic that uh, has the potential to lock down up the other end of the uh, uh, defensive line across for Miles for, you know, the next three to half dozen years. He's definitely one of the names that should be in the consideration. All the first-round guys, obviously, like I said, were gone today. Right now, he's ranked in the second round on most of the boards. So, But he that, that I think that's more of a numbers thing. I think if it wasn't such a deep edge class, he would be getting far more day one run at this point. And he may end up
2: there by the end of the year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Yeah, looks like a good player to me. He's had three great games to start the year. Now, the first two were against schools with East attached before their name, Illinois and Carolina. So take it for what it's worth. He had nine pressures in those games. He had a sack, three hits, uh, actually, sorry, four hits, four hurries, and uh, four stop plays. He did have a nice game against Georgia, though, an 82.8 grade against Georgia with the pressure and a sack. Had uh, had a stop, three stop tackles, which is you know, those plays that constitute a loss or a failure for the offense. He's at a 92.5 total PFF grade. You're right, 71.6 uh, run grade defense. That's probably the reason a guy goes from round one to round two. He's maybe not as well, well-rounded. But the last two years, he had 23 total pressures last year in the SEC <clears throat> alone because that's all they played last year. He had 23, like I said, total, seven sacks, seven hits, nine hurries. Had 21 stop plays, three forced fumbles. And uh, I don't know if he had a batted ball or not. But he ended up, uh, you know, grading really well last year with an 89.2 pass rush grade and sitting at 92.7 this year. So a guy who can be disruptive off the edge, that's what you need. A secondary pass rusher to Miles Garrett, complimentary player on a rookie deal. It's paramount you get him on a rookie deal, and if you get him at the end of the first round or end of the second round, that's an even better slam dunk because of the price points that those require. Uh, South Carolina plays Kentucky at 7 o'clock tomorrow night if you would like to watch that game uh, so you can get a feel for the prospect right there that could be your defensive end next year if the Browns are lucky enough to snag him. Next, we're going to look at the offensive line. Again, a place. I keep saying it, man. J.C. Treader's reaching the end of the line at some point in terms of his deal fitting in structurally. Uh, I, I, Joel Batonio, I think, has got another year after this year where he's under contract, but he's a guy who's got a dead cap thing that you could get out of his last year. I don't want them to. I want Joel to retire at Brown. I tweeted it today, but you got to look at the fact of the matter. And, Joe, and, and Jack Conklin's got one more year after this year on his contract. So Wyatt Teller could also be, there's a lot, this O-line's great, but the the certainty of the future of it is not quite there. There's going to be some tough decisions. You took a, a, a he could play guard, he could play tackle. I, I think there's a little bit of both I've seen. Talk about uh, about your pick here in the third round.
0: Yeah, Ikemi Kwanu uh, down at NC State, he's another one of those guys uh, that has that uh, versatility, like you said, probably um, uh, going to be one of those guys that people are going to want to move inside to guard, Um, At the next level. And if I could really just sum it up into one succinct sentence, what I think of this guy, he remind his style of play reminds me a lot of Wyatt Teller. He's big. He's mean. He is. uh, He I mean, we've all seen it. Wyatt loves pink. He, he, he loves just driving his guy's face into the dirt. And this guy does the same thing. He's got power for days. He's he's he can. But he's not a big much like Wyatt, not a big lumbering, you know, old school Big Ten tackle from the, the 80s or something that can't get out into space and all that kind of stuff. No, he, much like Wyatt, he's good at zone. He can the, the zone rushing offense. He can get to the second level. He can he can pull and get around the corner. The guy does all kinds of stuff that you want to see that Bill Callahan would love. He's a, he's a huge dude. He's like 6'4", 330 or something like that. Um, Bill Callahan would love a lot of the tools that he brings to the table. Um, it, it, but he's – that nasty streak, while we love it uh, in your player, it ha- you have to learn as a player to keep it a bit under control because if you're always going – much like a tackler who always goes for the big hit and sometimes gets juked and looks foolish – a blocker that does the same thing it, it can happen that way as well he can you know whiff you know sometimes because he's just so eager to get his hands on you and knock your face into the dirt that if you know once in a while his technique he gets a little a little too far forward leaning forward and you know, your weight distribution is huge on the offensive line. So, but these are all things that just, they're technique things. It's not like he can't do these things. So you you just have to get a little more mature as a player. You get a little coached up in your technique and learn the tendencies and all that kind of stuff. So he's a guy that if the Browns were to move on from anybody uh, on that offensive line, much like they did this year with James Hudson and hopefully David Moore, who you and I both liked, he's a guy that, You know, yeah, it's not necessarily for next year, maybe, uh, although he's good enough to probably come in and start in this league. Um, It's more for the future because, you know, like you said, there are age and contract contract questions just about everywhere on the Browns offensive line beyond this year.
1: Yeah, great points. He's had 33 true pass sets this year, 19 against Mississippi State. They played USF and blew them out, played Furman and blew them out. You can get many pass sets in those games. But games against real opponents, you're going to have to have those true pass sets, which I call a third and long type of pass sets, right? No screens, uh, no extra help, just truly you blocking the man in front of you. He's had zero pressures allowed in three games. you love to see that. 83.0 pass block rate this year, only one penalty. As far as the run blocking goes, this is where he excels. He's had 22 zone snaps, sorry, 49 zone snaps this year. 25 uh gaps sca- snaps this year and is a 92.3 run blocking grade and run blocking has been his thing 85 91 92 those are his combined uh over the sorry those are the last three years 1920 and 21 pass or sorry run block grades so he's he's been good put it that way and he seems to have improved where he was struggling which was in his true pass sets he's had he's off to a nice start this year i'm sure we'll See him drafted again in one of these mocks, and we'll talk about him later in the year where he's at. They play Clemson tomorrow, 3:30 kick for NC State. That'll be a big game and a good test uh, for Aquanu, So check that out if you want to pay attention. He's number 79. He is. Uh, he's uh, again NC State tackle. So next up, we've talked. We've talked about Joey Porter before. He had a pretty damn good game against Auburn. He had a 72.8 grade against Auburn, 78.5 coverage grade. He had two stop tackles. He was targeted nine times, only gave up five catches for 46 yards, had a pass breakup as well. And he lined up different places too. Seven along the D-line, four in the box, two as a free safety, one in the slot, 59 as an outside corner. But man, I thought he was a nice player in that game. He missed a couple tackles, but he also had two stop tackles and he forced a fumble. Like I thought he was everywhere. He feels to me like a better version of Sean Wade, that type of guy who... Uh, just you know, just a just a player, man. I really like Joey Porter, and if you can steal him third, fourth round, ooh, I feel good about that.
0: Yeah, he's one of the a few guys that's sort of lingering around that late day two, <clears throat> excuse me, early day three range in most of the boards right now. And we all kind of expect him to move up. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But right now, this is where he is. And I had I've had a couple people say, oh, you know, they just spent a first round pick uh, this year, and they signed Troy Hill. Why would they, you know, draft another? Well, one, you know, I'm of the opinion you should draft at least one cornerback every single year. Uh, It's that important. You can never have too many cover corners. Two, Troy Hill was a great pickup, and I love it, but he's 30, uh, and he's on the one-year deal. Denzel Ward's probably going to get a big contract extension. Greg Newsom, it's only two games, but so far in the two games, he has looked every bit the top uh, 25 pick. That he uh, ended up being, or top twenty-six pick. That he ended up being. He looks like he's going to be a stud. But beyond those two guys in the cornerback room, uh, from uh, beyond this year, there's not much. I like AJ Green, but I think he's more of a depth piece. And and beyond that, uh, Greedy didn't play a snap. I don't think last week. So no, he didn't. they they need more corners. They will likely target another one. Uh, in, uh, in free agency. And I, you know, people keep saying, oh, they can't I mean two years in a row. You shouldn't draft the same position. I'm gonna tell you what, Andrew Berry doesn't care about that. If they're sitting on the board at, you know, whatever they are this week, they're tw- let's say they're 27th, like they are this week in the, in the draft order. If they're sitting on the board at 27 and none of the edges or wide receivers or anybody else that uh, the cornerstone positions are, are really tripping his trigger, but there's a stud like Greg Newsom sitting there at corner, he'll take another corner and he will be right to do so. It's that important. And I'm not saying Porter is going to be that guy. But like you said, he can do just about everything. 6'2, one ninety five extreme length uh, speed in the four fours. And, uh, yeah, he, he's he, he needs to work on his tackling technique, but he's not afraid to do it. He's 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 Joey Porter's kid, guys. If, if at any point in his life he showed a fear of contact, Joey Porter would have, <laughs> would have tackled him a few times to knock that fear out of him. It's a, he's Joey Porter's kid. He's going to hit you. It's it's in his DNA. So, yeah, he'd be a great pick, especially at this spot.
1: Yeah, he would, uh, he would be. You can catch him tomorrow. Villanova, I think, is who they place. If you want to watch that, Bloodbath, feel free to do so. It's a noon kick. I think it's on the Big Ten Network, one of the Big Ten uh, alternate channels, because that is not a very big game. should be a route for Penn State to move to 4-0. Uh, next up on the board, uh, I believe we're taking another tight end, which is a guy we like, Greg Dolchich, who we talked about, uh, who showed out against LSU, mainstream stuff. I uh, did not grade all too well against Fresno State. seemed like nobody – <laughs> particularly handled the uh Fresno State game very they well. They played awful. They played awful which is kind of did they lose that game? They did. That's like the uh, that's like the Pac-12. That's I'm waiting for Oregon to do the same thing. They win a huge game against somebody who matters nationally and then they go lose to someone they shouldn't have no right losing to. It's this, it's the formula. That's yep. why they're not competing nationally. He did not play well in this game. He had a 42.8 offense grade, 47.0 receiving grade. And, uh, yeah, he, he just, uh, there's nothing really to add to it. Just didn't play well. And like the, we said, the whole team didn't, but that doesn't mean we give up on him from an NFL prospect standpoint. You've talked about him. You can summarize him real quick. If you'd like to UCLA plays Stanford tomorrow, Stanford coming off a big win, um, a couple weeks ago there against, uh, against Southern Cal Stanford and they play at six o'clock. So an early West coast game, but six o'clock for us on the East. Talk about what you like about Greg real quick.
0: Yeah, is six four, two fifty, an easy mover, uh, moves kind of similarly as gate, reminds me of Kelsey. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Great hands, understands the position. And people have asked why another tight end? Well, much like we just said about the offensive line, we don't know about David Njoku's contract. We think they're going to bring him back, but we don't know. Hooper, uh, after next year, probably not going to be here. And as much as we like Harrison Bryant he's still mostly an unproven, unknown commodity. He's just sown flashes. So especially in an offense that relies on the tight ends and utilizes them as much as Kevin's does, it's always good to have a young athletic one in the pipeline.
1: Uh, I mentioned I should have mentioned this earlier, Steve. When you're talking about drafting another corner, like man, I, there's positions I always want to draft. If you can block on offense, you can catch on offense. If you can and create separation, if you're on defense, you can rush the passer or you can cover in the secondary. Draft them. I don't care mm-hmm. how many of them you have, you just draft them. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you on Dolce. Like we said, they uh, we talked about Stanford game, another UCLA teammate. Ooh, here we go. It's gonna challenge me. Otito <laughs> Obania. I think I got that right.
0: Oh, bone, yeah.
1: Ah, Bonia. Yeah. dang it! Yeah. Talk about him, interior D lineman. He actually did play well against Fresno State with a 73.9 grade, 84.5 run defense grade, two stop tackles. Played pretty well, but the team didn't. But what do you like about mm-hmm. him that would make him uh, make him a Cleveland Brown?
0: Well, uh, first of all, it's probably going to be another need. Like we said, they're they're okay there this year, but you know the depth look moving forward is is what it is. We don't know. It's it's pretty unknown. But he's big, six four over three twenty five. Uh, had played uh, played the true nose, played a zero a lot his first uh, few years, but uh, last year they moved him out to the three a few times in a shade, and he showed a lot more pass rush wiggle than he had been allowed to show before, so he's getting more reps out there this year. Um, big, strong dude, can eat up uh, um, uh, double teams and hold his his ground much like they expect Uh, Andrew Billings to do, whether he's doing it or not is a whole different story, but that was the whole point. Uh, But also a little more pass rush wiggle than Andrew Billings uh, has ever given you. And you think about a guy like that uh, lining up next to what we think Malik McDowell is going to turn into, and then you got Miles on one edge. If you can find even a serviceable edge on the other side, once again, you have a stout and scary defensive front four.
1: Yep, let's talk about your next pick. We've talked about Stephen Gilmore before, his famous brother, Stefan and uh he's he's still playing fine grades aren't all too great but in my opinion still active enough around the football i think he's he's got a pick he's got a pass breakup he's only allowed 99 yards and four games of coverage so sometimes the metrics can get sideways with pro football focuses coverage stuff because they're only grading the ball when it's thrown in the general direction of the person so anyway what do you like about steven gilmore
0: well, and, and again, we're in the sixth round now, in case anybody out there isn't keeping track. And when you get to the sixth round, you're not going to find guys with perfect you know, profiles. That's just the way it is. Uh, we've done well in the sixth round two years in a row, but it's hard. It's hard to find. And Gilmore is a guy that could be one of those guys. He's smaller than his brother. He's 5'10", 175. But it's apparent when you turn on his tape, he studied with Stefan quite a bit. Uh, his mirroring and ball skills are really outstanding. His coverage, he's, he's in your pocket. He's one of those guys just in your pocket no matter what you do. He's always around the ball. He's really, really good at it. Probably going to live in the slot at the next level. But as we have said, the way the game is evolving, it's not a downgrade or a knock to say he's a slot cornerback anymore. It's incredibly important to have a, a guy who can cover the slot. And I think he'd be a guy who can do it, especially at this point on day three.
1: Yeah, Marshall plays Middle Tennessee at seven o'clock tomorrow. If you would no, I think they're off, actually. They don't play till October second. So take that back. They're off. We'll catch Gilmore. Uh, the following week uh, last pick is Donovan Jennings from South Florida and he's actually holding up pretty well 76.7 pass blocking grade this year he's only given up two uh if we're looking up actually this year he's not allowed a true a true pass set pressure so that's that's encouraging only two hurries allowed all year run blocking metrics he is a little up and down there 54.6 collectively he does more zone blocking than gap blocking currently at a 66 to 34 number, but uh, 54.6, but a nice grade against Florida and m 67.5. Again, this late, you're looking at traits. So, so sort of what things caught you about Donovan Jennings?
0: Well, he's huge. First of all, uh, you would think it would be the other way around with the zone and gap because he's 6'5 and over 340 pounds. Uh, but he's a former basketball player. He was a two-sport athlete growing up, so his athleticism is far greater than what you would normally think for a guy that's that huge. You know, he's, he's played left tackle, I think, three years now. I think this is his third year, maybe even his fourth year. He might have started as a freshman uh, for uh, South Florida, and uh, he's just... He's very athletic. He's very smart. He seems very humble. Uh, All the stuff I've read about him in the locker room is is off the charts. So if you're looking at this late on day three, looking at a guy that could potentially come in and be a a long-term project that could turn into something, especially in a position as important as tackle, um, you go for guys like that, big and athletic. I I mean, there's really not much more to say.
1: Yeah, he's played left tackle his whole career, started as a freshman. So he's played a ton of snaps. Been in some various systems. USF plays a big game tomorrow, late game, out at BYU. Pretty random to see them get out there to BYU, but that's the game. If you want to catch it, you can see a good BYU team against a, a prospect that the Browns might potentially have their eye on. Steve, this was fun, man. Always appreciate you coming on, breaking down this mock. You write it early in the week. I will link uh, in the bio to this episode, the direct link to this mock draft steven wrote. it's going to be up every wednesday we'll go over it every friday night for your entertainment to talk about where these prospects will be playing and again the goal is for you to have pretty much a clue of, of really a lot of different guys by the time the draft cycle comes around so you're not you're not sort of swimming about who the heck is that guy you really you, you've heard of him oh jake and steve butchered that guy's name 37 times throughout the year so <laughs> that's the goal steve i appreciate you man
0: anytime my brother always fun
1: Yep, guys, thanks for checking in today's episode. Uh, As usual, if you missed it, we had Zach Pearson on to talk about the Bears and the behind the lines, behind enemy lines, and then we had John Colosimo for our usual Friday episode, which goes around the uh, NFL, really, and touches on the AFC North, and we dig into how the Browns beat the Bears. Those are fun episodes. We will have tomorrow's usual game day 10-minute episode where I give you all of my things to watch, uh, as as usually right around the 10-minute number Keys to Victory, all that stuff will be there for you bright and early, right after midnight. It'll be popping up available in Spotify, Apple, all the places you get your podcast. And then we go on at noon for our Twitch pregame show, so make sure you check that out. That'll be uh, every single week at noon, except for those primetime games we will be on a little later. You know, if the, the Thursday night game will be on later in the evening, Sunday night, Monday night, whenever it is. We got some of those later in the year. So that's the usual plan, noon to one. We'll be on right after the game. Come join us. Make a Twitch if you haven't made one. It's a fun time to hang out, talk about the game leading up to it, talk about what happened after it. Thanks again to Steve for joining to talk about these college prospects. Always a fun episode. You guys have a great Friday night. If you're listening to this on Saturday, have a great Saturday and a great overall weekend. We'll check back Sunday morning. And as usual, go Browns.